morning. Man alive. Even when Pastor Connie is not here, she's still working. Right? I mean, that, that woman is amazing, and uh, we miss her today. She's taking a well-deserved vacation this past week. And so I'll just pray for her and John. I pray, well, the vacation, I imagine, is over. She's probably traveling back now, but I pray that she's had a, a restful time and that she's be able to come back recharged and, and uh, rearing to go. we got a busy week coming. Amen? I'm excited a bit to kick off next week. I'm excited a bit getting together. I'm excited a bit all you who have volunteered, and thank you so much. Uh, from what I understand, the only volunteers, well, the primary volunteers we need is still people with the bouncy castles and things like that to watch out and make sure that everybody's safe, and we want our kids to be safe and our neighborhood kids to be safe. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm excited to look in God's Word this morning. My, my sermon is entitled, Ease, Not Easy. Um, have you ever heard of the word ease before? Like, I know... We think of ease as in like the ease of life, like that life will be easy. We think of it in terms like that, but there's a, I came across a different definition of the word ease and, and uh, probably hit a little too close to home for me, to be honest. But it's the room in a garment that allows you to move, sit, and breathe. It's the difference between the body measurements and the final garment measurements. Patterns are all designed with different amounts of ease depending on the company and the designer. Now, I have to admit that since I came to Warden, my clothes have lost a little bit of their ease. <laughs> yeah. But this always happens to me when I have a change in life, a change in routine. I, I, I'm so routine-oriented. I wish I wasn't, but I love getting up and doing certain things, especially early in the morning, the same way every day and stuff. And so when I get out of routine, so does food and I don't know if food looks better when I'm at a routine or not, but it seems to come into my life a little easier somehow. But yeah, somehow the ease begins to disappear. The first thing uh, to go when you gain weight is the ease in our clothes. And, and you know, like, that's why when they measure your clothes, if you need to wear a, a size 40 suit jacket, which I don't think I have since I was in grade 7, uh, <laughs> then they, if you measure your cross here as 40, then they would have to make your coat like a 42 or a 44 or whatnot. They make the room for you to breathe so that you can move in it, right? Um, sometimes we act like we don't know where the ease went, as if a couple inches of our clothes disappeared overnight, when in reality it didn't leave, we have filled it out. And maybe some of you can relate to that as much as I can. It's like that closet in the house, right, that we're all trying to ignore that you know is full of all of our junk and we don't dare want anybody to open it up, but we just act like it's not there. Instead of creating some ease in the closet so you can actually use it again, we just act like it doesn't belong anymore. But that doesn't really work. But doing what is right in God's eyes is not always easy, but disobeying his leading is like trying to fit into a pair of jeans that's two, four, maybe eight sizes too small, <laughs> depending on how much you've struggled. Obviously, when I say this, if I point one four finger out, I got three coming back at me, right? So, the prophet Jeremiah endured so much as a prophet, uh, but where I find encouragement with Jeremiah is that he remained obedient. It's actually pretty miraculous with everything that he went through that he remained obedient. However, like Job, like Elijah, like many others in Scripture, like David, 
and, the psalm, and many of the psalmists, and sometimes like ourselves, Jeremiah found himself complaining to God. And I think we've all got there at different times in our life when things have been struggle. Uh, things came along that have caused us to struggle. And uh, I want to look into Jeremiah chapter 20 this morning. I want to read uh, one of Jeremiah's, probably one of his more famous complaints um, about the prophetic work that he had to do. Beginning at chapter 20, verses 7, I'm just going to read down to verse 10. Think about these hard words. The very first words in verse 7 says, You deceived me, Lord. This is a hurt man. It says, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispers, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Father, I pray that you would just open this word to our heart today. That you would do a work, Lord, in communicating this word that I cannot. Lord Jesus, I, I tempt this morning to be your humble vessel, Lord Jesus, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the primary communicator in this room and that we would open our hearts to be challenged by your word today and that we would leave, Lord, changed for having heard it have been willing to apply it to our hearts. Thank you for the time of worship today, Lord, and, and for being led so well by, by Joel and, and Carrie and the whole team, Lord Jesus. We're just thankful that we can come together and worship in such freedom. We bless your name today. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to get something clear. Jeremiah was just not some whiny complainer. Um, he endured a lot to warn Jerusalem of the, the impending doom that was coming. Uh, on the one hand, he is a prophet from the priestly line who is communicating the very words of God to Jerusalem, but no one believes him. Uh, on the other hand, he is a guy who keeps prophesying doom and gloom. He was trying to deliver a hard truth. He was telling them that, look, if you do not change your ways, if you do not, you know, take down the high places, if you do not, you know, reconsecrate the temple, if you do not turn back to your God, if you do not acknowledge the God who saved you from, from Egypt and brought you out of the desert and brought you into the land of Canaan, if you do not do this, he said, then destruction is coming and it's coming at the hand of the Babylonians. So get ready. It's coming soon. This is the message that he had to carry to the people. It was a hard message. At the beginning of this chapter, in chapter 20, in, chapter 20, in verses 1 to 3, it tells us that the priest, his name was Pasher, son of Immer, Immer, the official in charge of the temple, heard Jeremiah prophesying. So the priest heard him prophesying. The person who was supposed to be the spokesperson for God, like supposed to stand in the, in, in, in the courts and, and, and do the sacrifices and do all these things to, to represent us before God. 
He heard Jeremiah prophesying and had him beaten and put in stocks right at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Jeremiah is prophesying for God at the Lord's temple. And the priest of the Lord's temple is persecuting him. But still, Jeremiah would not stop prophesying. In fact, he tells Pastor that he is, not going, he is going to be a terror to his friends. He looks at the priest and says, you're going to be a terror to your friends. You're going to be a terror to your loved ones because he is allowing them to believe a lie. The pastor and others were, pro- were prophesying prosperity. He was telling them that everything was going to be great, that we're going into a season of, of wealth and prosperity. And Jeremiah was telling them the truth. He was telling them what was coming and what God was going to allow them to happen and the impending destruction by Babylon and uh, resulting exile that followed. Now Jeremiah is trying to warn a nation of you know, all this impending doom uh, not exactly an everyday problem that we tend to deal with. I don't know about you, but I haven't had God come to me in any dreams and told me to come to Warden and say, this is coming. There is apparently a hurricane that's coming up the East Coast, but I don't remember, God didn't tell me to warn you about that hurricane. <laughs> you know, we don't, God doesn't communicate to us uh, in this way anymore. Like, but we still have many distractions. We still have temptations and difficulties that fight against our obedience to God, trying to steal the ease that comes with living for God and the ease that's provided by God, even in difficult times, as we live according to His will. Now, when I say ease, again, I want to be clear that I do not mean easy. It's referring to the peace that comes from doing what God has called us to do. A peace that endures difficult times. It's about being comfortable in our own skin because we know that we're doing what God has called us to do. It's about being confident, although everything may not be perfect. Any perfectionists in the building? We like to have things just so. Don't make me point elbows. We get that way sometimes. We may be confident, although everything may be not perfect, but we trust that we are doing what God has built us to do, so we persist. And we do it with the peace of God in our heart. Now the big idea this morning is that obeying God is not always easy, but it is always just. God is perfect in justice. He understands our situation. He understands the culture. He understands society better than we do ourselves. Disobeying God may appear easier, but it subverts justice and it results in misery. Obeying God provides the ease necessary, the peace that comes with knowing you are in God's will. And it gives you the fortitude. It gives you the strength. It gives you the willingness to get through just about anything. Doing what God asks us to do can be difficult on times. Jeremiah highlights this, but also shows us a path through it. So I want to focus on verses 8 and 9 this morning. And I want to get into Jeremiah's emotions here. And I want to get into some of the specific words that he uses here and and highlight them, uh, like I said, to show us a path through here. Beginning of verse 8, I'm going to just read verses 8 and 9 again. It says, Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. 
He had a heard message that God had asked him to present. He says, so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. He's doing good for God, but he's still struggling and suffering and being tempted and, and, and persecuted against. <laughs> Excuse me. And then in verse 9 it says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. You can't ignore God's word in this. And he says, I'm weary of holding it indeed. I cannot. Truth can sometimes be a heavy burden. So as I was studying this passage, there were some key words that really de developed for us, Jeremiah's true emotions. And the first word that stuck out, stood, stood out to me that I'd like to focus on this morning is fire. Now he uses this word fire twice in one specific uh, line. It says, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. The first word fire is the Hebrew word ka'ash, and it's found 375 times. It's probably the common most used word for fire. If you're going to light a fire, you use this word. But the second word, and it stands out here, is ba'ar. It means a consuming fire. His intensity goes up with the second word. The, the Hebrew word captures Jeremiah's intense emotions. It is often used figuratively to depict the intensity of one's emotions. It's commonly used to describe anger or passion, that fire that's in their heart, so to speak. God was upset with Judah, and Jeremiah felt the emotion in the words of God. I believe he felt God's emotion for his people. Not only that, but it describes the word, this fire this passion, this emotion, describes it as being shut up in his bones. Now the Hebrew word here for shut, or the phrase shut up, is uh, asar. Found 46 times in the Old Testament. It's relatively uh, common. It means to refrain, refrain, to hold back, to restrain, to be enslaved, constrained, or stopped, or detained. It means that the word was trapped it was shut up within him. The words were trapped, detained in his heart. His word is part of him, is knit into his being. It is restrained within his bones. Now this word bones in Hebrew is another word that stands out to me. Here the word bones is used figuratively as the seat of emotions. Now the Bible talks about it in other places and refers to our heart as the seat of emotions. And it refers to our heart as being deceptive in every way. And so we cannot trust our heart to govern our emotions. Amen? But the word here, bones, in the Hebrew is synonymous with the word heart. He uses it here to emphasize how ingrained God's word is in his, in very, in, in his very being. This consuming fire is shut up in his bones. It's ingrained into every fiber of who he is. And every part of what God has called him to do, he's wrapped up, he's consumed with the word of God. He feels the weight, he feels the gravity of these words. Yet they have not touched this heart of the people of Jerusalem 
in the same way. Can you imagine having a message so seared into who you are? It's not just someone giving you a message that's sealed with the king's seal and taking off and you're not knowing what it's being said in this envelope, you know, with the wax seal, you know, these old movies that we like to watch. It's not like a page or messenger running off with this message and bringing it and then dropping it off and going, no. It's seared into his being. Seared into his heart. It's shut up in his bones. In, in the very parts of who he is. And can you imagine having a message so seared into who you are that it's literally trapped in your innermost being and no one will listen to what you have to say. It seems easier to just stop sharing the message when you think about it. And this seems to be the emotions that Jeremiah has. He doesn't want to share the message anymore. But we realize not sharing the message which contradict the very reason for being, our very reason for being, doing so would threaten the spiritual ease in our spiritual clothes, per se. I mentioned before, and it seems that I've gone down this path with this theme a little bit in the last few weeks, and if you're getting tired of it, forgive me, but, but even when I gave my testimony before we went on vacation and talked about how I threatened my spiritual ease, how I struggled to live for God, and I struggled to do what God wanted me, and it felt too big and too heavy and too much for me, and, and I'm going to tell you, that was misery. I went back and tried to put on a pair of pants that didn't fit no more. It's not a pretty picture. I haven't got a picture of that this morning for a reason. You know, I don't need to be up here, Tommy boy, fat guy in a little coat. You know, it doesn't, I don't need to do that to show you what I'm talking about this morning. We don't need our spiritual ease threatened by taking the easy route. We use the term bones like this sometimes in English as well. We, we kind of do it relatively often. Many times we use bones to refer to knowing some piece of truth. People may deny it, but we can't let go of that truth. And we say stuff like, I know it's true. I can feel it in my bones. Jeremiah had the word of God shut up in his bones, in his very heart, in his very being. He felt words of God deep in his soul. They were burning in his heart. And he was consumed emotionally by the fact that he had to deliver such a difficult message. He even accused God of deceiving him. Uh, the, the Hebrew word kind of lends itself actually more to persuading, but he accused God of persuading him down this path. Jeremiah knew God was just, and he knew his word was true, but he felt trapped, he felt constrained by the content and the weight of his call. Have you ever felt this way before? You know, you've been in situations in life and you feel like God's speaking to you. It could be something as simple as, you know, a friend that you've had for a long time and God is just speaking to your heart and saying, you know what, this relationship has developed to a point where you have trust built up. Maybe it's time you mention me to him. Maybe it's time you asked him, you know, what he thought about life. You know, what he thinks about you know, the bigger questions in life and, and see where, where this person's heart is. Have you ever felt, you know, that the Word of God pressing on you, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and you're like, no, I'm not doing that. 
No, I'm not doing that. I have friends who are evangelists at heart. They have the gift of evangelism, and I watch them just walk up to people, and that, I'm uncomfortable watching them. They just march up to, do you know Jesus? Do you know that Jesus saved you? And I'm just like, whew. Right? I've been a Christian over 30 years. I can't, I don't, I don't think I can remember not being a Christian. And, but still, you know, sometimes you still, even though you feel the word of God burning in your heart, it's just like, I, And, you know, we get in our life, you know, and we get close friends sometimes, and we have to tell them a hard truth. We see them going down a hard path, and we know, you know, you feel God speaking to your heart. You need to go tell them, you know, lead them back on the right path. And we know that they may not receive it. They may not like it. They may not trust where it's coming from. But in those moments, you know, I'm going to tell you right now that there's more ease in doing it than carrying the burden of not. There's more spiritual room in those clothes for you to go do it and to listen and obey to God, obey God of all creation, than it is to fight those promptings of the Holy Spirit. But Jeremiah felt trapped. There's no way around it. The intense emotions, his life was being threatened. He was beaten. He spent time in jail. I'm not even getting into the half of what he went through. And so it makes sense that we come across this word in this passage, weary. He became weary. He was grieved. He was offended. This word can refer to either physical or psychological weariness. The idiom being weary uh, with something serves as a dramatic or a poetic way of asserting that there is an objectable excess of what causes weariness. This is why burnout, which can cause weariness because you're working so hard, can cause you to be weary even when you're not working because we haven't found a balance of rest. How many people know that the balance of rest is an important part of your life? How many people know that the seventh day principle, the Sabbath principle is, is serious? I take another day off other than Sunday because Sunday is not my Sabbath. In case you didn't notice, I work on Sundays. I work a lot of other days as well, but, but I don't get a lot of rest. I, I, I wake up anxious Sunday morning. I woke up at quarter to five this morning because I get jittery Sunday morning. Because I'm excited about what God can do. But you've got to have that balance of rest. You get to find it. There's too many people in my profession that get burnt out, taking on responsibilities that are not, are not their own, not delegating, not, not getting other people to step up and do the things in the church that the church is meant to do. Amen? He was trying to convince himself to let go of this burden, he was weary. Jeremiah, as he's writing this, I feel like he's trying to talk himself into something. He says, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, he says in verse 9. There is an important distinction to be made here. He did not say that delivering the message made him weary. It wasn't the actual delivering of the message that made him weary or that the persecution and ridicule, it wasn't the persecution or the ridicule that made him weary. So what made him weary? 
Where does weariness, where does psychological and personal, uh, physical weariness come from? What made him weary was trying to replace the word of God. What made him weary, according to the scriptures here today, is that he was trying to repress the word of God in his own life. When we are firmly in God's will, yes, it can be difficult. But there is an ease, there's a peace, an amazing satisfaction that comes through surrender. And it feels like you're kind of wearing a perfectly tailored suit. Interesting. Maybe doing something very difficult, but it's a lot easier to do something difficult when you look good, right? The thing is, I forgot his name gone. Deion Sanders says, You look good, you feel good. You feel good, you play good. You play good, they pay good. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's something to be said about having that tailored situation, having that ease in your spiritual garments. It gives you the ability to move. In the presence of God. When we are firmly in God's will's will, it can be difficult. There's no way around it. And when we fight against His will, we can feel trapped, repressed, like our suit is three sizes too small. And then we find ourselves again in the same situation as Jeremiah. And this there's another word that stands out to me here. It's holding. It says, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, he says, his word is in my heart like a fire, like a kindled fire, a fire, a consuming fire, shut up in my bones, in my heart, in my very being. I am physically and I'm psychologically weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Jeremiah uses the word in a figurative sense when he expresses the impossibility of containing within himself the Lord's fury, which is like a burning fire. It says in Jeremiah 6, if we go back a few chapters, verse 11, we find the same word that's used for holding. It says, but I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I cannot keep it in. I cannot contain it. I cannot hold it. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, Solomon says at the dedication of the Lord's temple, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you, cannot hold you, cannot keep you in. How much less this temple that I have built? To be honest, I would much rather preach this from a positive standpoint, I've heard this passage preached and song songs where what is emphasized is the Word of God is burning in our hearts, the truth bubbling up in us as the Holy Spirit burns in us to the point where we can't hold the Word of God anymore. And we got to tell the news. We got to tell the good news. I remember this song that we used to, uh, we came across this from the Outback album by Planet Shakers, I believe. And I'm not saying that they're not using the word correctly, but after studying and getting in this passage, I, I read this, this, this verse of this song a little bit different. It says, like a fire shut up in my bones. I want the world to know that you are God. Because with a passion burning deep within, I want the world to know that you live. 
I can honestly say that I believe the Word is like that, where a passion for our Savior inspires us to preach. When we're listening, we're obeying, and we speak His name, and we sing His praises, I believe that even then, that passion, although it may be shut up in our bones for a moment, is released, and, and there's this moment where we have this passion that we got to let go. It's pretty great, actually. I remember my little girl, when she would listen to this song, and the first time she heard this song in the car, she said, oh, Daddy, that's a bad song. I said, what? She's like three years old. I said, what was it? They said, shut up. It's like a fire shut up in my bone. Then I had to try and explain to my three-year-old what it meant to be shut up, contained. But Jeremiah is speaking from frustration. He's, he's physically exhausted. He's psychologically drained. He's feeling the spiritual anguish, the thought of keeping the message in. He's keeping in this message that contains the wrath of God. Although it was going to lead to anger and persecution directed towards him, it was more terrible for him to hold it in. He felt the power of God's word. He felt the power of God's justice. He felt the power of God's truth. He knew that physically and psychologically the easier route would have been to shut his mouth, get out of Dodge before the invasion of the Babylonians, and let the people who were mocking and persecuting God just reap what they sowed. Ever feel that way? Let them, let them reap what they sow. We use words like karma all the time. I don't necessarily, I don't believe in karma, but I do believe that we reap what we sow. That would be easier a lot of times. But it would be misery. You see a friend going on a path that you don't trust, that you know is not good for them, and you say, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to, but the Lord is pressing in your heart, go speak to them. I walked across a room before and spoke to a young girl at a youth camp who I had never met in my life because I felt the fire burning in my heart, and I was like, if I disobey this, I'm going to go home, and I'm not going to feel the ease comes with walking in his presence. I'm going to feel constrained. I'm going to be, feel trapped. And I couldn't leave that place. And I walked over there. I don't know how it turned out. But God was telling me something very specific. I walked over and I spoke it. Did what God had asked me. And I told her, I said, if you want to talk about it further, I said, my wife and I would talk to you and love to spend time with you. Never heard another word from her. But I did what God had asked me to do. And trust that he has a plan for her. He couldn't live in misery and not do what God had told me. He would have been ignoring his call from the one true God, ignoring the word that was burning in his heart and trapped in his bones, in his very being. He would have chose to live in the weariness that comes from suppressing God's word. Obeying God is not always easy, but it's always just. Disobeying God may appear easier, but it subverts justice and it results in misery. Obeying God provides the ease necessary, the life-giving peace that comes with knowing you are in God's will. I'm reminded of another instance in Scripture of someone pleading with the Father. 
sang of it this morning, except instead of trying to repress the word of God, he said these words in Luke 22, 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup. Jeremiah was asking God to take this hot, burning fire. <laughs> take it from me. He was begging it to take it from me. But he knew he couldn't live outside of it. But Jesus spoke to his father. He said, Father, take this cup from me. But the difference is, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jeremiah got there eventually. <laughs> but we have this amazing example of Jesus Christ. And we think, you know, sometimes when we feel the weariness of trying to suppress or trying to fight God's word, we have the son of the living God in the garden on his knees. The word says that he swept drops of blood. Then he was feeling the, the anxiety and feeling the, the pressures of what he was about to face. And he went to his father and he says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. I understand your perfect justice, but this is a lot for me to bear. But because Jesus obeyed, we now have grace. We now have the gift of the Holy Spirit reminding us that we can walk through anything. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because his rod and his staff comforts us. He walks with us. And so I guess my, my encouragement to you today is get yourself close enough to God that you feel the fire. The first question I have for you this morning is have you ever felt that burning in your being? Because if you haven't, then I want you to get closer to God. <laughs> if you haven't felt God ask you to do something uncomfortable, then I don't know that you're... Get a little closer. Get into the presence of God. I remember reading about Esther, how Esther was afraid to go into her own husband because if he didn't raise the scepter, she could be killed. Risk getting a little closer to the king. Risk feeling that burning in your heart, in your bones. You know, risk feeling that, that, that drive to get up and just go do something that God has asked you to do. Maybe it's a missions trip next year. Maybe it's volunteering some way in the church, teaching a Bible study or, or doing something or, or unleashing a hidden musical talent you have. I don't know. But if you've never felt that I'm asking you to get a little closer to the lion. Maybe you have felt it. And you felt it on both ends. You felt the constraining of your spiritual clothes. And you said, oh, man, I'm uncomfortable. i got to do something about this. And I'm going to tell you, there's been times where I've done this and I've let opportunities pass and they're still in my mind. There's things that God tells me to let go. You know, he said, you may have pissed that and passed that opportunity, but I got other ones. But they, they still, in some weird way, create the spiritual weariness in my heart because it didn't listen. Don't let the enemy increase your weariness, your physical and your psychological exhaustion because you haven't listened to God. Trust his justice. Trust his path for your life. Trust the Holy Spirit as he leads you. We can relate to Jeremiah's burden, but there is ease 
even in the midst of some of the most difficult times of our lives, an unmatched peace that comes with obeying a just God. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would challenge us, continue to challenge us this week, Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I love to hear the word preached, oh God, but I love to just walk with it. Lord, when I get up in the morning and I, and, I, and I get into your word, Lord Jesus, and I'm in Hebrews right now, and reading about your supremacy, reading about how you died for us and how I'm called to persevere, Lord, I take that and I walk with it through my day. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would take this word and that we would walk with it. Let it sit with us. Let it challenge us. Lord Jesus, if we come to church on Sundays, Lord, and we leave and we don't allow it to change us and we don't allow it to, be, to draw us closer to you as we walk for you in this society, in this world, in this city, Lord Jesus, then we're doing ourselves an injustice. Help us to trust the word and the justice of your word, O oh God, as we walk and we live it out every day. The Holy Spirit, pray you seal this word in our heart this morning. Lord, as we just worship for a few more moments, oh God, I pray that you would be glorified. Lord, if there's anybody in this place, Lord Jesus, that you're working on their heart, they need to spend some time with you, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would feel comfortable just even just coming to the front, speaking to you, spending some time with you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that even in this moment, you would begin to lift weariness. Lift the physical and psychological exhaustion that comes, Lord, when we repress what it is you want us to do. And that you would begin to help people feel the ease, putting on the spiritual clothes that you provide for us. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, walk with us every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say it. Let's just worship together for a few moments. These altars are always open. I hope you know you don't need an invitation from me, but if you come, I'll come. I'll spend some time and pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, please feel free to come and just, you know, if you need to deal with things with God, these altars are always open. Amen? God bless you this morning.